Zoom problem there. How's your day going otherwise? No worries. I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. And so much I want to ask you about because I not only love your old projects, but I love the new movie. Or is it a new movie? Thank you. It is a new movie. It is. We shot it before COVID, but it's a new movie. One thing I wasn't able to tell is the exteriors are Seattle, but the credits keep thanking British Columbia. Was it filmed in both British Columbia and Seattle? It was actually shot 100% in Vancouver. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Got it. Well, thanks to the Canadian authorities for that one. Had you spent a lot of time in British Columbia before making this movie? I actually have. Yeah, I actually have. Um, I love Canada. I love British Columbia. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. I can imagine so. The movie, I don't want to give too much away because if I say, well, that part when you dot, 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 like that kind of gives away some of the stuff. But oh. you do sing in the film two different songs. Yeah. Do you have a singing background? Um, I have a dance background and uh, I've always been writing songs and, and I just started releasing music um, last year in quarantine as <laughs> a lot of us with uh, creative projects that were sort of on the back burner finally got to to get to them uh, during quarantine in 2020. So, so yeah, so singing is now part of my, the plethora of things that I do. Well, way back when you were starting, was it, I want to be a dancer and then acting happened or what was the original plan? It was definitely to be a dancer. Yeah, I, uh, I started dancing when I was four years old I told my parents, you are sending me to ballet. I don't know, you're gonna have to figure it out. I think I, like I went with a friend once and I came home and I was just elated and I just knew it had to be part of my life. Um, and then I got to about 15 or 14 and I, I started auditioning for commercials and stuff like that. I'd always like done modeling and stuff like that. And, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, you may or may not dance in this movie. I don't want to give away any spoilers. <laughs> But if you did dance in this movie, was that choreographed or improvised? That was choreographed. That was, uh, that was choreographed. We had uh, Nick and I did a couple of lessons with a, with a choreographer and uh, yeah, worked it out. Because an interesting thing about that, if you did dance in the movie, um, is that <laughs> the way that it's portrayed is that you don't know how to dance and yeah. he's the dance master. Yet I can't imagine Nick, who's incredibly talented, great guitar player beyond being a great comic and apparently a great actor, uh, it's portrayed that he's the dance master and you don't know how to dance. So did he have much of an uphill battle with that choreography? Um, actually, no, I don't know. Maybe he secretly had a couple lessons in his life, you know? There's a couple of people walking around, they don't look like dancers, but like <laughs> their parents sent them to like one class when they were kids, so they just have this sort of aptitude. Um, no, weirdly, he was actually quite good with it. Um, I was better, obviously, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, then my job was like having to try to act like I didn't know how to and then also the movie magic of it just happening anyway, because you know, you want to see that happen. So, yeah. Usually when you get cast for a film that has named people like yourself, I'm saying you're a name person, you didn't say that, <laughs> and, and Nick, 
whatever your job is according to your character, you usually get to moonlight or ghost a little bit. Did you do any romance novel related research for this role? I didn't, honestly, I signed on to this movie. I think we had two weeks before we started shooting. So it was more getting in touch with like Annie Hall, Elaine Bemmers, you know, some of my favorite comedy characters um, and just doing it from there rather than the romance novel part. Because to me, it was more about what a flawed individual she is and how awkward she can be and how zany she can be. Wow, so no guitar lessons either as part of the research? I did, I did some guitar lessons. That was something that I did, yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, the song without naming the song that you may or may not play within this movie <laughs> is a two to three chord song. Can you play that song? Uh, not now. Um, I wish I'd kept up. I wish, honestly, I've always wanted to play guitar. So I really, I thought if I keep doing this, I will be able to play, but I unfortunately, you know, I've been really busy, so I didn't get to, but I'm getting around to it. Well, one of the favorite things that my wife and I have about you for you is you're never the same in any of your roles. It's not, you're like, well, Clea's in this movie, she's gonna be blank. Like this role has nothing to do with what you did on Better Things or one of my favorite shows of all time, Last Man on Earth. You're different in everything. Do you have a way of describing your preparation? Cause I don't see you as method. Um, you know, it's, I think it's to do with the way I pick my roles. I think for me, they just, I don't know what it is. I don't think there's a rhyme or reason to it. I think it's just, if it's a character that I'm like, ah, oh, I get her, I understand her. For whatever reason, maybe she's similar to me, maybe she's really different to me, or she's like someone I've spent time with, or she's the type of person that I'm curious about. I think that's really where it comes from. And then from there, I mean, my tastes are really broad. So then it just ends up being, you know, sci-fi, comedy, combination of the two. Um, yeah. Is there a role or two which you could say is most similar to who you are? Because I can't tell right now. Like you are not as serious as Erica Dundee was. And you obviously have your life much more together than this character from the right one. Yeah, I would say I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Now that you've asked, I feel like I might be, if I have to choose, because obviously people are quite complicated, but <laughs> I'm like a bit of a combination between Sarah and Erica in, in a way, maybe. But I can be really serious. I don't know, man. I'm just like all over the place. <laughs> Something that I'm curious about whenever you find somebody has made it again, I'm saying you made it. You didn't say you made it because a lot of people are very modest. You did? Oh my God. <laughs> Is when you see somebody you like, they've, they've been in those couple of films, those couple of TV shows you watch. You kind of wonder, do they have a lot of roles or things that didn't happen over the years before they got to this point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still. I mean, there's still there was a show I really, really wanted to do that I didn't get just recently. I mean, it's happening constantly. It's part of the job. And, you know, I've been doing this since I was 15. So I have this really great thing where, like, I just forget. Like, I couldn't tell you. There's so many, like, huge movies that, you know, you've seen that people have seen that I you know, was very close to being in, but wasn't. And, you know, you just sort of, you'd forget. <laughs> um, I remember watching, there was like, uh, they released some um, screen tests from Titanic with like other actors in it. And 
it's so interesting how like, yeah, it could have been that other actor, but it so shouldn't have been. Like it, it only was gonna be Leo. You can, it just always was. Mm -hmm. It's a funny thing, casting. So that's why you can't take it personally because you either are them or you're not them, you know? And sorry, the third reference here to Last Man on Earth, maybe the fourth right here. Oh, it is my, coming. I love it. One of my favorite shows of all time. It, it, you know, it's cancellation is just one of the saddest, most biggest injustices in the history of television, according to our household, which is, of course, uh, a big deal, our household. But when you read it, did you get that it was that great? Or is it just like, yeah, it's an audition. Uh, if I get it, cool. You know, um, it was so top secret that all I got was the audition scenes. And it all I knew was that it was extremely awkward. It sort of like tickled a funny part of my brain, you know, like it, it was funny in ways that's normal, but there yeah. was also something very Will Forte about it. Yeah. That sort of oddness coming at it from that specific angle that he comes at it from and that I picked up on but it was it was just one of many auditions that week then I got wow. a call back with Will then I got another call back with um Chris Miller and Phil Lord and you know I think I did maybe three callbacks and then finally finally I got the job and, it, and then I got to read the whole script and, and find out you know what what it was really going to be the character on that show, uh, the last name was Dundee, which is hilarious. <laughs> when you moved to the States, did you know of the crocodile Dundee kind of stereotypes that if you're Australian, you like silver chair and you like that? Yeah. Was that on your radar? Well, I do like silver chair. That's <laughs> um, oh, of course. I mean, I'd heard stories about people like Anthony LaPaglia, who's Australian, coming to America early, you know, before all of us came in the early 90s, I believe. And he actually just pretended to be American because the Crocodile Dundee thing was so prevalent and he was so tired of, you know, being compared to that character. So yeah, I'm definitely aware of it, but there's so many of us now, you know, it's quite a big community. Absolutely, Jim Jeffries, et cetera, et cetera. So et cetera. back to you and your awesomeness. When you look at an actor's IMDb page, sometimes it's current, sometimes it's not, but I see there's a lot of nothing on there is in post-production and dope sick. Are there a lot of other things going on for you? Yeah, I'm actually, um, yeah, I'm on location right now for, for dope sick. Um, and I have a horror movie coming out called Cobweb with Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr that I'm really excited about. Um, and yeah, we'll see, we'll see what else. And then do you have plans to make more music? Because as you said before, that's a, a pandemic thing for you. Yeah, I actually, in quarantine, I uh, wrote a whole album. So wow. yeah, so it's just a matter of now having the time to get to the studio and like finding a safe situation in which to record said album. But um, yeah, it's all written and, and ready to go. So more music to come. So that's already enough projects right there. But if you're actually now writing music does that mean that you're also writing screenplays or that's an eventual ambition of yours no that's something that i've actually done already as well um and i plan to do much more of that i'm, I'm in development for a couple of projects right now and um, i wrote a movie for sci-fi called hover um that i also started in and produced and um, that was just such an amazing learning experience for me so um yeah i'm really excited uh to launch my production company and bring out some more films in the future so watch this space 
apologies for my ignorance on that end. No, no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, two quick questions and then you are free. And the first one is, of course, it's a different answer for somebody who's actually working in the business, but do you have a TV recommendation that you could pass along to somebody who needs a new pick or a new thing? A new thing? Oh, um, um, um. well, it depends what you like, but Marianne by Samuel Baudin, who's, he actually directed Cobweb, the horror movie I just did. It's a French horror series. Depends what you're into, but it's very good. Um, well, let me think, you know, I'm someone who just tends to watch Seinfeld over and over again. Um, <laughs> and Peep Show, which is a great British comedy. Right. I, I watch, th those are on my rotation constantly. Um, I can't think of a new show right now. There's so many. Everyone's really into Bridgerton. That's what I hear. And I just started watching The Real Housewives um, on a 10-year delay. You've got obsessed. Yeah, I, I, I always rejected it. I tend to reject things that everyone's into. I don't know why. It's just something I do. And when I was in Bulgaria, my friend Lizzie Kaplan, who's also my co-star, told me, you know, I really, I want us to have something to talk about on set. So I think that you need to start watching The Real Housewives of New York. And I was like, you know what? I will. I respect you. I love your work. I will watch it. And I loved it. So maybe watch that. Will do. Am I closer? Any last words? Any last words for the kids? And that could be like, check out my website, or that could be an actual advice thing because, hey, you've done it. Um, advice for the kids. You know, it always sounds like a cliche, but, and it's also the moral of the right one. Being yourself is probably the best possible thing you can do. And it's hard to be yourself and it takes time to be yourself. Like, I think Prince has that saying, it takes years to become an overnight success. <laughs> you know, and it takes a long time to figure out exactly who you are and what you have to offer, but it's, it's your best bet. Well, thank you so much for your time. Keep up the greatness and really look forward to everything you have coming soon. Congrats on everything you got going on, Cleo. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Take care now. Bye. Rohit, how is your Wednesday going? Not too bad so far. How about yourself? No complaints here in New York. Am I getting you from Michigan or from Nashville? Uh, Michigan. Nice and cold where I'm at. Freezing. Nice Always. and cold. Yes. I can yeah. only imagine that it's 20 degrees colder there. But the key is when I first spoke with you nine, 10 months ago, it was kind of like, yeah, that's the guy from Desi Hit Squad. Yeah. Now it's like, this is one of the main guys of Impact who held the belt maybe longer than anyone in 2020. I mean, when did you feel that things really turned around for you? Yeah, it's funny. I When I first won the Exhibition Championship belt, I knew there was a huge stigma that I had to erase and get rid of. And that was, why is this guy the exhibition champion when he's been nothing but a bottom guy for his entire run. Well, you know, it's not by my choice. You know what I'm saying? So all I needed was that one shot. They gave me that one shot and I felt like they gave me the ball and I ran with it. So that's what I, I, I feel like after bound for glory or maybe leading up to that with the promos, people started to realize, Oh, there's something here. There's something with this guy. And it's funny, by the end of my title reign, people were like, some people, some people couldn't wait for me to lose it, which was fantastic. I love that. But there were some people that were like, man, I'm really getting into his run. He's such an obnoxious individual. I love it. So cool. You know, I think people started to get it 
Um, we'll see what's going to happen on the 16th. Of course, I want to regain that belt and do it all over again, but even bigger and better. That's the goal. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I felt like it was closer to the end of my run where people started to really realize like, okay, there's something here. Yeah, you just mentioned that you stepped up your game with not just getting the screen time, but delivering great promos. Also, we saw you got in the greatest shape of your life, or at least since I've been aware of you. We yep. also saw you step up your social media game. Uh, was there something that lit a fire under you that kind of realized that your time was now and you had to fire in all cylinders? Well, honestly, I didn't really want to. I've always wanted to get into better shape and... To be honest, it was when the lockdowns first started happening. I had bought a half rack a long time ago. And actually, when I first got my first impact check, I've always been into getting into shape. But that allowed me, that downtime allowed me to lift and eat better every single day. So I got into better shape, which was really good. And then I used to love to like day drink and hang out and stuff like that. And I just kind of cut out a lot of that. So it helped me get into better shape that way as well. I still like to hang out and have fun, but I just don't do it as much. You really can't nowadays with everything being, you know, closed or whatever. But now my main goal is just staying in shape. I go to the gym every single day. I'll be going to the gym after this. I try to eat a lot better. I want to be in great shape for the 16th. Um, my social media game, I really had, besides like doing Hakeem Zane stuff, there was no urge for me to do anything as Rohit. I was just trying to toe the company line and stay relevant. I think as soon as I got my chance and my shot, I wanted to step up my game. I always wanted to have to do it, but there really was no point because I wasn't going anywhere. As soon as I started to go somewhere, I was like, okay, now's the time to turn up the flame a little bit and show why I am in this position. And I felt like that was, I picked a good time to do it. And nobody was doing that stuff with the belt, hanging out with the belt, um, posting all those pics. I had that idea long ago. I was like, man, if I ever get a belt, this is what I want to do. And I felt people started to catch on to that. It made me feel really good. Was it a struggle for you? And if struggle is the wrong word here, please help me find a better word. But was it a struggle for you to know that you're a funny charismatic guy but kind of have to be held back to having a mouthpiece like you did in the past frustrating is what it was uh now don't get me wrong working with gamma is a 10 because i love gamma right. i love just listening to his stories and stuff like that but there was a point in time where i was like i don't see this ever ending for me i feel like this is always going to be my position and i i wasn't happy you know what i mean i wasn't i was like man I don't know, but it doesn't stop you from working hard. It doesn't, at least me, it doesn't stop me from working hard and wanting to always put my best foot forward. It just gets frustrating because you know what you're, you know, you're worth in a sense mm -hmm. and you weren't, and, and you know what you can offer and what you can do, but you weren't getting those opportunities. And I always say this in every interview that I do, I was always a lion in a cage, butting his head against the door. Impact Wrestling just opened up the door and I flew out and I just sprinted and I never looked back and I'm not going to look back. I don't ever want to go back into that position where I'm that bottom of the barrel individual. And I feel like I have proven myself and established myself in that sense to where I can be one of those guys the company can count on to deliver, whether it's a great promo, whether it's a good match, um, to be entertaining. I feel like I can be that individual. 
And besides you, Impact has also been firing on all cylinders. There was all the big signings around Slammiversary. Now we're seeing lots and lots of special events. And of course, the growth that came with Access TV, Hard to Kill. In other words, it seems like every week of Impact is practically a special week now. When did you start to notice that Impact was not just a company, but maybe the company for a lot of people? I felt like we were long before Slammiversary. We just needed eyes on us. Our roster, super talented. It's always been talented. I felt like when I got there, when I had my first shot in 2017, it was under different management. And I was like, eh, there's some stuff like you can see why people aren't very high on the product. But then things changed and it started to get better and it started to get even better. And then certain people left and other people came in. And then you had a roster that was hungry. You had a roster that wanted to do nothing but make a name for themselves, but also show that, hey, we're a good company. And I felt like Slammiversary helped finally get some eyes on us. The AEW um, crossover helped get some eyes on us. But I felt we have been doing really well as a company for a long time. And people always need somebody to kick. They always need someone to complain about. And for whatever reason, right. that don't even watch the product. You're like, oh, Impact Wrestling's dumb. You know, it's just this stupid. Right. Uh, I, I, it, I, it irks me so much, like today's society, with how they act with certain things. But like, they don't even watch the product and they try to act like they know what's going on. Like, no, our roster's killing it. When some of our guys go to different promotions, they excel there. They were still excelling here. It's just, it's just because they're good. And they were, you know, towing along the company as well and promoting the name. People just weren't paying attention. Now that I feel like they, if they actually pay attention, sit down, shut up and pay attention to the product and, and come with an empty glass, they're going to be like, oh yeah, these guys are rocking and rolling. And that's all we need. All we need is the opportunity. And I feel like we're getting that now and we're starting to open up some eyes and it feels good. It honestly does. Right. And it's, probably been about nine, 10 months now that you've been regularly going to Nashville. I can't imagine you've spent this much time in Nashville in your whole life combined up until now. Do you have a favorite restaurant or two that you can recommend out there? Hattie B's, boy, every single time. I mean, if we're there for three or four days, almost every day we're ordering Hattie B's after the tapings. Man, that chicken is so good. Some of the best chicken I've ever had. Hattie B's, if you get this, free meal for the impact roster next time. Cause we're constantly supporting you guys constantly blowing up your name. I think it's time, you know, to give back a little bit, Hattie B's and hook up the impact roster. Cause trust us, we will be very appreciative of that. We're going to buy it either way, but uh, a nice little, maybe a gift card or something, you know, a nice little rub there for some of that chicken. It'd be excellent. But Hattie B's is the place for the majority of us. I will tag them in the social media. You got time for three quick fire, rapid fire questions, and then you're a free man and getting to the gym? Sure, let's go. First one, you were one of the most synonymous wrestlers with gaming in general. Is Cyberpunk 2077 overrated or as good as you expected it would be? I have yet to play it because I wait for them to get out most of the glitches because I, I will lose my mind if I try to play this game and it crashes over and over and over again. So even though I have a PS4 Pro, I heard it runs a little bit better on that. I'm still going to wait probably until March to pick it up and then I'll let you know. I'll let you know next time we do the um, – if, if we do another article thing, I'll let you know how that is because, yeah, man, I'm – 
oof, I want to play Cyberpunk. I just finished Kingdom Hearts 3, which was really a letdown. Oh, it was so rough to get through. Ah, oh, but uh, Cyberpunk, I'm hoping will be my next purchase, but they got to clean it up. They have to clean it up a little bit more before I'm going to spend that money on it. It's great on Stadia. I have to say that. Question two, favorite TV show of the moment? Because, you know, everyone gets through their shows in two, three weeks, and then they got the next one. Mandalorian season two was some of the best Star Wars I've ever watched. Obviously, I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, spoiler, 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 if you haven't seen it, so pause this right now. Um, when Luke Skywalker is one of my favorite characters, I absolutely hated what they did to him in The Last Jedi. I was not a fan of the sequel trilogy, but Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, what they're doing right now with the Star Wars lore and respecting the hardcore fans, oh, man. I have done nothing but watch reaction videos almost every day just to relive that moment through somebody else. And um, yeah, season two of Mando, especially that finale was fantastic. And I just finished Cobra Kai season three, which was also great. And that's how you run it, man. If you have a nostalgia show or a show built off of nostalgia, you, that's how you do it. Cobra Kai is a perfect example. You take those old characters, you show what has happened with them, but you, you obviously respect them and you take care of their characters, but you also pass the torch. There's so many of these new franchises that Hollywood takes and they just want to kill off everything or disrespect everything that was brought before it and be like, oh, look, these characters are better than the old ones. No, they're not. There's, there's a reason why people love these old characters because yeah. they earn that respect. They earn that love. You can't just shove somebody else in our face and be like, shiny new toy. No, there's, there's, there's things you have to respect and earn. Um, and Cobra Kai does that perfectly. Whereas a lot of these other franchises that have come out in the past few years have not, and they've really ruined the franchise and then get mad at fans when they don't like it because you ruin their favorite characters. It just, it blows my mind, but those are my top two right now. You just answered my third question, which was going to be Cobra Kai related. So instead I'll say, since our first interview has Rohit Raju listened to the judgment night soundtrack. Oh, I have not. I have been slacking. Or. I forget things all the time. Um, I will. I will. Send me a message and remind me because I will forget. I will. But I, I, that will be on my thing when I'm when I'm working out or something like that. I will put that on uh, the playlist and we'll go from there. But you have to remind me because I'll walk in the next room and I, I'll forget what I was going to do. So <laughs> the bottom line is this. Thank you for your time. Keep up the greatness. Looking forward to seeing what's happening at Hard to Kill. Everything beyond that. Have a great 2021. Thanks, man. You too. All right. Uh, next, we'll go to Darren Paltrowitz. Darren, are you there? Yes. This question goes to the greatest guest star in the history of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And thank you for taking the time, Shaq. Now, beyond your work with the NBA, commercials, the Shaq Bowl, in the last year alone, we've seen you on Shaq Life, AEW Dynamite working with Cody. You've expanded Shaq's a big chicken further uh, through Gold Belly. <laughs> That's without talking about your music, your movies, your investing and all that. Is there anything you haven't yet accomplished that you still hope to accomplish in the big picture? Skydiving. I want to skydive so bad. I'm just scared because I know there's a weight limit on the parachute. And I went to a class one time and the guy was like, hey, my mom sold the parachutes. Maybe I can have her sew you two together. I was like, nope, because just that day, mom runs out of stitching and it'll be a bad story. But 
Because, look, I've been calling myself Superman for a long time. If I could fly through the sky and get footage of that and land safety to talk about it, I'm good. Before I check myself in the old folks' home, I could tell all, all the people sitting there with me, my good friends, JR and Chris, you know, my buddies from since high school, I could say, hey, we did it. We flew in the sky like Superman. So every, everything else I like to have fun with. I like to take advantage of opportunities. I like to make other people smile. But if I had one thing that I really wanted to do, it's skydiving. But it's not going to happen. Outrocast. <laughs>